0: You can't always ask a teacher the same question, you can ask a mentor.
1: 25-year-old pianist, composer, and band leader, Isaiah J. Thompson, sums it up perfectly. The bond between a mentor and a mentee is something special. Isaiah and I met while I was a student at Jazz House Kids a jazz education nonprofit run out of Montclair, New Jersey. He was a TA and had an incredible talent and seriousness for the music that was inspiring. We've since become friends, and I was lucky enough to discuss with him the role that his musical mentors have played in his career. In our conversation, he shares about his mentors Christian McBride, Wynton Marsalis, Steve Turay, and John Pizzarelli. We also discuss his first album where he plays the music of Buddy Montgomery and his newest release, Composed in Colour, which this track, Makulu Blues, is from. I'm Emily Springer, and you're listening to Mentoring in the Music. This podcast is centered around mentorship, being a mentor, being a mentee, your experience with that. And I think that's very integral to jazz and jazz history and tradition. And so I'll start with who are people that you would identify as your musical mentors?
0: Sure. The, the people I think of the most, I'll try to say them in order. <laughs> it's probably Christian McBride, Wynton Marsalis, and I would have to say then Steve Teray and then John Pizzarelli.
1: You mentioned Christian and, and Winton, and I obviously, you know, mentioned that we met at Jazz House Kids, but I feel like a really important question is, do you feel that those programs like Jazz House Kids and JPACKS, Jazz for Teens and SJA, do they affect your view on if you need a mentor, the role of a mentor? Do, did they help you decide that that's something important in your career?
0: <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I you know, this is going to be a good conversation because there's so many pockets you can go into from this. I'm, I feel I feel very much like we were kind of part of the first generation to really go through all of the jazz programming. <laughs> you know, like when we started, I think they have really been formed for a, a fairly substantial period of time so that you can go from one program to the other, back to the first one, to the next one. You know, I can't see how I would be where I am today without those programs. Like, I am so thankful from when I started in piano lessons you know I started at like a classical school um, called Calderon School of Music and then when I found out about jazz and playing jazz that's when I got involved with the Jazz House Kids NJ Pack Jazz for Teens all those things Vail Young Arts all those things and I just don't like I, I met so many students I met so many teachers where I felt like I was in an environment where I was forced to be serious so I'm thankful for the faculty right and some of those mentors that I had, like someone like Oscar Perez, Ted Chubb, Mike Lee. Um, but also I remember getting to Jazz House when I was like 13 or whatever it was. And I remember seeing like Zoe and Julian and Coleman and how good they were. And they were only a little bit older than me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I, this is this is the level, right? So I think in those programs, right? You're also forced to look at People around your age that are extremely, um, you know, sophisticated and intelligent, and 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 are playing on such a high level, you you're forced to look at uh, your education and your development in a different way when you see somebody kind of in a similar si- situation.
1: Often, a traditional mentor relationship is someone older and someone younger, and you're just you're there to to soak it all in. But I think what's unique about programs for young adults. Um, you know, of course, there's varying levels of how serious you are, or how dedicated you are. And that's not a bad thing, right? If you're 14 years old, you, you don't have to decide to be the next, you know, big piano player, but you get to learn from someone who's, who probably more recently was trying to work out the things that you're trying to work out. So I think that's a really interesting part about that mental relationship. And Maybe you agree with this. And, you know, at Jazz House, I feel like they emphasized working with someone, studying with someone, having that relationship outside of, okay, you went to big band rehearsal and you had a combo, but who are you trying to learn from outside of this community? And I think that's a seed for a mentor relationship as you get older. I mean... I've talked
0: about this a lot, probably never on a, like in a public platform such as this, but I think piano players specifically can be very strange when it comes to uh, mentorship. I think, and I think it might have to do something with the fact that we can be in a room by ourselves for hours, or we can just kind of just, or play a whole gig by ourselves, you know? And so I think sometimes it's funny because the history is not that way there's like a lot of history of piano players mentoring other piano players now there are great teachers of course and i've had amazing teachers but you know i'm talking about the mentorship that where they they check in on you you know and and, and they're invested to full capacity and you and your development and and you know like i don't know it's, it's it's hard to at least the way it's been described to me or i've read you know i feel like i don't see that as much today now I'm grateful that, you know, there's some great piano players I've been able to just call on the phone, you know. A lot of these, a lot of those people don't live where I live, so, you know, I see them when they're in town, <laughs> you know, but um, I wish I could be closer to some of them. Def- I feel like I'm on different instruments it can be, <laughs> it depends on the instrument the, the relationship a mentor can have to the mentee, um, and I just found that interesting with piano players, for sure.
1: This is one of my other questions for you that I was thinking about asking towards the end, because it's kind of a big question. You studied at the Juilliard School. You got your you graduated with a bachelor's in 2019. Yeah. And then your master's in 2020, right. uh, which is still pretty recently. So congratulations. Thank you. Did studying in conservatory affect the process of finding these mentors? Did it accelerate it? Did it supplement it, like being in these classes? Because it's a relatively new concept to, to go to college to be a jazz musician, to study in a formal setting. Yeah. What do you think about that?
0: That's a great, that's a great question. I think, I think that it's important to learn in both environments. I don't, <laughs> because I had this conversation the other day. I said, there will be some people who will not want to hire you because you have a degree. And then there will be some people that don't want to hire you because you don't have fun. (laughs) And that's a really interesting uh, position to be in. I'm super grateful for having gone to school. Like I met so many people that way. And uh, I was put in, you know, positions where I was playing like something I would have never come in contact with had I not been in that building. But I also think that those are experiences that you have on the bandstand, you know. Now, getting up on a gig is hard. Like, there's, there's not enough gigs, <laughs> like, to be quite honest. And uh, the people that you want to be around, you know, they, especially in a time of COVID, I mean, that's a whole other situation, but they're hard to, at times, seek out. And, um, you know, if you can, I would say it's important to learn on the bandstand. I think that's so important, because there's some things that you cannot learn by like in a, in a school setting like I said like being a band leader and having to speak to an audience and you can practice that in your room all you want but when you get up there to play it's very different <laughs> you know so I would say at least for my generation anyone that is studying you know in a school setting right like um, we, we established that kind of tradition that's being formed now I would say it's important to try to find a way to do both
1: Absolutely. And, you know, you're post-grad now, you're, you're out there, you're working, you're doing your thing. How did the relationships that you had with people who were maybe mentors on faculty change? Like you were in a very formal situation and you could maybe find mentors just based on like, who was your director for your ensemble? And now it's like, you're in the world. And if you want to be a student, you have to approach it in a different way.
0: Well, I'll tell you that this is a, a funny moment happened the other day. I went to uh, Dizzy's; they were doing the Ray Brown tribute, and it was Jeff Hamilton played, uh, Christian McBride played, and Benny Green played. You know, and so I went, I went to talk to them at the end, and there was like a whole piano thing happening. So Ted Rosenthal was there, who was one of my teachers during my time at Juilliard. Michael LaDon was there, who was like one of my first teachers when I started at uh, NJPAC. Benny Green was there who I uh, met when I did young arts in high school sometime. And so like I had three of my different kind of teachers kind of at the same time. And I remember talking to them and they said they didn't mind if I had uh, kind of talked to them a little bit more informally. And I told them, I said, I cannot do that. Like they're, we're, we're not peers. <laughs> like they're not, you know.
1: feel that way. It doesn't feel that way. It's always Mr.
0: Right. Miss,
1: you know, it's very formal.
0: You will always be Mr. Green. This is Mr. Ladon. This is Mr. Rosenthal. You know, or Professor. So I think for sure, there. You know, it does change over time as you just get older as a person. You know, even if it had nothing to do with music, you would start to have different kind of relationships with people as you get older because you're, you know, maturing. But I think musically, like when I hear some of the, you know, older musicians, they talk about musicians that they love. There's always like a deep level of humility and respect that they have when they talk about them. And I always wanted to uh, do the same for my mentors. I'll never approach them as if we're peers because we're just not. That's just objective.
1: <laughs> I think that also goes back, you know, we I'm going to say the word tradition so much uh-huh. during this, but within the Black community, there's a lot of respect for elders. It's, it's a thing that you do. It's a thing that's unspoken. It doesn't matter if you don't know them. Give them a level of respect just because of The things that they've experienced that you don't know about and you might never know about, but they deserve that respect for whatever it was um, that they've experienced. And I think that's conservatory pushes a formality. Um, School pushes the professor, the something, and that's fine. But then people think, okay, we're leaving that behind when we go to a club.
0: Well, that's I mean, that's that's profound because then I think it becomes a question of like, why, why do you show respect? Like, do you show respect because you're in a school setting? Do you show respect because of the whatever the race, gender, socioeconomic status of whoever it is you're talking to? Right? Uh, is that st- because when you go into a jazz club and there's a old Black man sitting at the piano, do you feel <laughs> do you feel that you should show respect? And then that question, you know, I think that's why some people might have an issue with how they feel the music is being seen in a school setting. Now, if you go into a school setting already having respect for said, like you said, tradition, uh, you have an understanding of what you're entering, no matter what building you're in. Right. You have to make sure you understand that before you go in.
1: Let's listen to a little bit more of Isaiah. This is his trio from his latest album, Composed in Color, playing Randy Weston's High Fly, featuring TJ Reddick on drums and Philip Norris on bass. get back to why we're here mentorship um you know so you you said that Winton, Christian Steve Turei um John Pizzarelli are some of your mentors if how did how did you go about finding these mentor relationships because I think a lot of people feel like it's this magical thing like when you read about it historically like they just met at a session and they kind of like linked up and it was just like this um, almost unspeakable connection but I think sometimes there's a lot more groundwork that goes into maintaining these relationships as well as just starting them
0: I think uh, <laughs> some things change and some things never will <laughs> I think uh, so I when I, I would not know you know Christian McBride if I had not been in Jazz House that's just a fact You know, I would not know him. Um, And uh, I think through Jazz House and going to Ellington and being starting to be associated with Jazz Jazz Lincoln Center is uh, how I met Winston Marsalis, you know. Um, And then actually through being, and then, you know, when I met him and then I started doing Jazz Lincoln Center's programming and stuff like that, I started to find out about the city and uh, a few people from Jazz House, Went to Juilliard, so I was like, "Juilliard might be a good option for me." So I decided, you know, I want to apply there, and I ultimately went to Juilliard. Through Juilliard, I met Steve Teray, right, because he was teaching there at the time, right. And then I graduated, and then it's funny when I was at Jazz House early on, John Pizzarelli was a guest, and he heard me playing, and I didn't. I only learned about this maybe a year ago because he told me. He remembers me. He said, "Oh yeah, that's the guy with the hat on." You know, so uh, I guess he, he liked somewhat the way I played. But I was I don't know sixteen maybe at the time, and he he needed a new piano player two what, almost a little bit over two years ago, and he asked McBride who he would recommend, and he said, you know me amongst some other names I believe, and he saw my name. And he said, "All oh, right, the guy with the hat on," and then you know, and then I ended up doing that. So. I can actually see a very clear trajectory about how how all these things happened. It wasn't uh, magic (laughs) at at all, you know? And throughout all these things, you know, even now that, you know, I met Mr. McBride when I was, I don't know, 12 or 13, whatever. He's still Mr. McBride (laughs) today. But has our relationship changed? Yeah, you know, um, as I've gotten older, the same thing with all of them. You know, when I met John Pizzarelli, I was 16. And now I play with him but he's still, you know, I call him Pitts, you know, I can never call him as first name, you
1: know. Another part of that, like I mentioned, is the maintaining. Like you said, you've worked for Mr. Pizzarelli, you've worked with Mr. Marsalis, you've done those things. Um, And something you had also mentioned before was like, reading about relationships of the past where it might have been more close in terms of checking in, not just you know, mm. you're playing on the gig and we're talking about music all the time. And I think that's really important as well, because with the pandemic, we've seen there aren't always gigs. Right. And and there's a lot of people going through a lot of things who just need someone to call and say, hey, how are you? What's going on with your with your life? You know, right. And for me, and, and maybe you feel similarly or maybe you hope as a mentor to, to have this relationship with people that you mentor in the last few years people kind of took a step back and said, whoa, like we need to check on each other as musicians <laughs> and as people who love this thing that all of a sudden doesn't exist. Like live music doesn't, didn't exist for a really long time in the way that we were familiar with it. That mentor-mentee relationship where it's personal is something I'm not seeing as much, but I think is very important. And I, I don't know how you feel about that.
0: It's so important. <laughs> it is, it is extremely important. I, uh, wow. I think I want to maybe approach it from this perspective that I lost half my grade at Juilliard. And for various reasons, you know, they were, you know, each, you you know, not, not all of them were severe, but they all went through something where they said, well, maybe this is not for me. And in those times, which we will all undergo, you know, not necessarily th- that that feeling of this not for me, but we'll undergo a time when we're like trying to figure something out. In that time, you need somebody, not necessarily to give you the answer, but to just be there. Right. Right. <laughs> you know. And um, I remember being on phone calls with people. I mean, a, a, aside from those who I just named in my grade, but like just you know, well, I'm trying to figure out what to do. Like, what would you do in this situation, or? you know, or just to tell me, like, this is what's happened in my life. And this is such an interesting time, you know, when you're in like your 20s, there's things going on, you're preparing for responsibility while also enjoying, <laughs> you know, I think that's so important to sometimes just get a phone call just to see, you know, how you're doing. It happened to me the other day, and I was, it. it changed my whole day, you know, it changed my week, really. This is a phone call from someone I, I love just to say, you know, hey, how's it going?
1: Yeah. And I also feel like, like you you said something that was really, I think about often, your mentor doesn't always have the answer. They don't always have the answer. And yeah. I think when we idealize these relationships, particularly with older people who have experienced mm-hmm. careers in jazz or Careers and surrounding like my mentors that I I think of, they're not necessarily professional musicians, but they help professional musicians do what they do. So they have a lot of insight on what it means to be in the music industry, the jazz industry, which is very different than the pop industry, than Mm. the country industry, right? So I think what you said about not having the answer is important because a mentor... And, and maybe this is your experience, and I'd be, if you have anything you want to share on, on this, I'd be interested to hear, like, sometimes you're at a crossroad, and you're like, I have to make a choice. Mm. And most good mentors are not going to tell you what to do. <laughs> They're right. just going to say, this is what I think, this is what I know about you, and this is what I know from what I've done. Now you decide. Right when you're at this age, the 20 something, you're that's terrifying. <laughs> that's like the worst thing. At least for me, I'm very indecisive. I'm always like, just tell me what I need to do to make this thing happen. And it's, it's not that easy. And nobody did that for them, right? Like, it's not a thing of there's always these super wise who can tell you exactly what steps are going to take you on the road you want. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, you're right. I mean, we used to laugh about this. I remember somebody they told me they made this realization that, you know, when you're first starting out in school, you have the earliest classes, right? But when you're first starting out playing, you play the latest sets, <laughs> right? So that doesn't actually make sense. Now, you know, most of the, your mentors, they, they, I would say, haven't dealt with that problem. Like they weren't going through a school. You know, um, they weren't eight
1: AMs for them. No eight AM class,
0: at least for music. You know, so if you were going to ask them, like, "Hey, what should I do in this situation?" They haven't gone through that. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't have lots of knowledge, but it's just like there's some things as time progresses that you'll go through things that they have never even experienced. They, I mean, they didn't go through a time of uh, social media, right? Like we, you know, so how would you how would you approach asking them, like, "Hey, how should I like publicize?" Performances. Like they might have some suggestions, but in this time now, it's different.
1: And this was one of my questions because mentor relationships really bridge generational gaps because it's not like um, you know, the age difference of like a mom and a dad and a, a child. You know, it's a wider age range, typically, you know, you're spanning quite a few decades, depending on who your mentor is. And I was interested if any of your mentors have asked you, you for advice on things about the scene that's changed that they don't, they're not hip to, right? Like social media is like the first thing that I thought about because that is so integral to marketing yourself these days. Like you need, you, you need something or someone to do that for you. And I was just curious, like, what are some things that you're being asked about that you have more insight on?
0: I've, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily put in that position all the time, but I do, anytime that's kind of come up where they maybe have the conversation maybe gone a little lean that way, you know, it's been more about like, uh, you know, I think what you said, like kind of like a marketing thing, not that they were struggling with that at all, but it was like just trying to get how, they they never understand how people of our generation are supposed to do things. And they actually really empathize with us. I think sometimes we don't understand that, that the older generation, they do empathize with us. They're like, man, like it, it's a different time now. I don't know how you guys are supposed to do what, what it is we did, <laughs> you know? Because like, a lot of times we hear about like, well, you know, you need to do the things like how we did it, which is true in certain certain ways. But I've heard the other side, which is like the way that we did this doesn't exist anymore. And I'm not really sure how to do that. <laughs> and I'm not sure how to help you you know the ones that really love you they'll just say that they're like you know we we want to put love on you we want to help you but the way that we did it doesn't exist I'm not really sure what
1: to tell you I think there's a lot of generational shift in audience as well that makes this difficult right like how do you address that with your mentee if you don't if you don't know how to Oof. communicate with that
0: right you're completely right I remember um, and uh the late great phil shaft he was telling me that and i want to make sure i get it right i don't think i'm getting it wrong but he said he saw a double bill i believe it was west montgomery and john coltrane and he said that he showed up and he had like a meatball sub for like no money you know and we're like and we were like what like just trying to imagine what that was like, and we we're like, you know, how was it? You know, we were like, <laughs> and they're like, what was that like? And and I just remember his expression was hilarious. He was like, it was good, and that and that's all that's he it, said. That's you know? it. <laughs> that's all he said. You know, because it was like fairly normal, I guess. You know, Um, and that was just such an amazing conversation. I always remember that.
1: <laughs> You're lucky enough to engage with professional musicians who have overlapped with some of the greatest people who've ever made this music Mm. in a way that the general public would have never engaged with you know like people could say oh i met miles davis this one time and i was so lucky to do that all right but you know our mentors worked with some of these figures and i was just curious if there's like a moment that they shared with you that you're like, wow, like I'm really working and, and learning from someone who took this from that person. You're
0: right. Um, well, I think, um, I think there, there's definitely been a lot of stories and trying to pinpoint one. I can say, I can say one of the most recent ones that I, uh, that I've seen, um, and we'll just talked about is what is with, uh, with, with pits and, um, because his, his father was the great Bucky Pizzarelli. And then I think he has sort of a history, there they have a family history of like guitar and banjo players. So there's a whole lineage of strings <laughs> in the family, you know, and then and then he has kids and they play some, you know. So it's like to them, it's, you know, it, I mean, the music is already so important, but it's also family. <laughs> it's also a family lineage that's happening there and when I see that I'm like that is so profound <laughs> you know it's so profound like when I, I look at that family I look at the Marsalis family like that's not it's not just about music you know the way that once Marsalis talks about his father Ellis the late great Ellis Marsalis then look at um something like the Lee family you know like it's just you know it's not a joke the way they interpret the, the music and I think you know, that's, I mean, that's something deeper than a mentor relationship. You know, it's funny because Pitts, he likes sometimes on the gigs, he says, oh yeah, um, I was staying at uh, my mentor's house at the time, Bucky Pizzarelli, you know, which is of course his, his father, you know, I think it, it, it's even deeper than that because, you you know, you have a family kind of like, if I may say dedication to familial kind of association and dedication to the to the music that runs so deep I don't even know what that's like, to be honest. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. And I mean, my I think about that, too, because no one in my family is musically inclined. Right. I'll say it like that um, <laughs> because, you know, everybody sings, but nobody's musically inclined. Um, mm-hmm. And but but for my I look I think about my father specifically, like music has been such an informative and essential part of his life essential part of his mother's life and his Mm. uncle's life. And I think, again, that goes back to black community. I think about generations again, like you were just saying, families, like there's this connection with mentors, of course, but within those families where you just can't even speak to it because you have these memories that music brings up a song, just one particular song and you all think of the same thing. And then your dad tells you, well, actually my mom used to think this about that song and it's just, something deeper than I can express (laughs) right now in words, but super important. I know that you are, you know, you're young, but you teach, you do some mentoring yourself. You know, I know that you did a masterclass a few like last week, maybe two weeks ago Hmm. uh, with Harlem school of the arts. Yeah. Um, And I'm just interested in what are some things that you feel you would want to pass on that you've taken in from your mentors? Like, I think, one of the things that really drew me to this topic um is the concept of a thread mm. that links the youngest person to uh, someone that you might not even know you're linked to because these are how these you know like mentor relationships just grow. It's like you might not even know that who you studied with studied with this person, who studied with this person. Um, so what's something that you you've taken in and you'd want to share? I have to say, like people younger than me, I
0: think the first thing I like to express to them is that however much you care about it is what it's gonna sound like. Cause that's what was shown to me. And so I remember even working with different schools, like if I get on their instrument and I can't even play it as well as them, <laughs> most of the time, you know, I try to give them the jumps or something like that, you know, I just show them that I care about it and how much better it can sound. And then when they get back and they play, They see what it is I'm talking about. And, you know, I like to show them that it doesn't have to be. Sometimes, you know, in their situation or in the school, they've been there all day long, they're tired and it just becomes this thing that they do. I asked the student, like, if they could play this thing or how they normally played it because they weren't sure how they wanted to approach it that day. And she said, well, you know, it's just the same way that we always do. We always just come in at this time and we do it like this and then we end it like this and then we leave. And the way she said it was actually so profound (laughs) because I was like, so you recognize that every day you just do this, this thing, like it's, you know, whatever, it's this mundane thing that you just do every day. You don't really care about it. You're just like, it's just, you know, (laughs) it's it's just the routine. When I started to show them that it doesn't have to be routine, that every day you play is a choice. When I started to show them that, they were like, oh, like this can be fun you know, like if I care about it, it can be more fun. Besides all the, you know, there's all the obvious things, the, the theory and the practicing and all that. I think the thing that I always want to tell people is like, hey, you have to care about this. And I want you to care about it. And if you don't, that's also fine. But you have to, you have to understand that if this is something you want to do, and not that doesn't even mean you have to be a musician. It just means like you want to something you want to do by like, do you want to be invested in the music? You just have to care about it. And your feelings surrounding the music, the way you play it, if you choose to play it, it's all going to be so much better. And it's not, it's not as far away from you as you think.
1: Obviously, you're young. So you teach younger people than right. you, which means sometimes they could be 11 or 12. <laughs> and that's a whole nother relationship that's difficult. Because obviously, if you're in college, going to graduate college, and you want to work with someone who's professional out there gigging you have a seriousness um ideally (laughs) you have a seriousness about the music and you you know what you want to get from certain relationships whereas if you're younger you're still just figuring out what the music is like you know
0: yeah i had a few experiences where i uh was teaching someone much older than me you know and that was always really interesting because, like I said, like there's always like a there's love of respect. This is someone who's older than me. Like I always have respect, even if I don't really know you. <laughs> so I was put in a funny situation where you know they're asking me questions, and it becomes objective. And I'm trying to, I'm really trying to hard to like place it in my brain between like, okay, I can teach them something because I'm always coming from the perspective of someone's older. They're they're going to be teaching me. But yeah, I mean that's. Mentorship can look so many different ways. Um, Yeah, that's why I'm glad you're doing this.
1: One thing that I was really curious about was as you were becoming serious about music, you know, you wanted to do this. You're, well, let's just say starting high school, probably that age. Did you feel like you needed a mentor? That having a mentor relationship was going to be necessary for your growth? For your success. And I think this kind of goes back to our question about conservatory versus, not necessarily versus, because it's a little bit of both at this point, but I'm just curious about that.
0: I've always felt that way and I still feel that way. I still feel that way all the time, and specifically on my instrument. I was like, I always say this I say, you know what, I really, now, and I never want to offend anyone, like, because I've had some extraordinary teachers and great professors, but What I would give for, you know, a mentor on my instrument, I mean, to, to, you know, just to be around, (laughs) that makes all the difference. It really can, you know, I've seen it happen uh, for others. Now, it doesn't happen as much, at least what, from what I've seen now, than what at least has been explained to me by some of the mentors I have on other instruments, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but, um, I wouldn't say that I had a lack of resources being at like a jazz house, you know, because there's so many, because there was so many, like there was just so many people with so much knowledge. And there was definitely some mentorship there. like Someone like Bruce Williams, you know, um, he was there. And then he he was again, my teacher at at Juilliard. And then, you know, every, every so often I'll give him a call and ask him another question. And I love that, you know, but those kind of piano specific relationships I'm talking personally, because that's my instrument. I think that's uh, something that I think would benefit everyone, really.
1: As you get older, you know what you're looking to learn, you know who you're not necessarily who, but eventually you'll come to figure out like, okay, I really want to work on this. And I'm really inspired by this album and these people and this approach, Mm. then you go out and you find who you're hoping to, to take take something from, take some information from, gain something from. And I was wondering, like, at this point in your career, what is something that you look for in that relationship?
0: That's a great, I mean, one thing, the reason I feel like I've gotten closer to some of these relationships, because I don't want to put all the, I don't want to make it seem like I'm putting all blame on all the pianists. Like I do have to make sure that I'm more confident and more, uh, and clearer about what it is I'm, Seeking, you know, and it might become more obvious. And I would say that for everybody is probably the case. But um, I have found that there have been times recently where I had specific questions and that garnered sort of like a a closer relationship where maybe they reached out to me. You know, I can just give a few names of people that I've talked to recently. Like I, I had a question about rhythm section playing or like the relationship between the piano and the bass or the piano and the drums and, and comping and stuff like that. And so I called somebody like a Benny Green and I called Eric Reed and I was lucky enough to get a call from Bill Charlotte, you know, like these are people who I love so, so dearly and they're always so generous with their, with their time and their knowledge. And I love them very much. Now, as I get older, like I, I'm hoping that I have more mature questions to ask and therefore they're in a better situation to uh, answer them. I also want to make sure I, I, I shouted them out because they've been super helpful in what we're talking about. Yeah. My
1: guest today is Isaiah J. Thompson. And in the second half of our conversation, we discussed the portrayal of jazz in mainstream media, his latest album composed in color, his first album where he plays the music of Buddy Montgomery, and what it was like playing with Joe Farnsworth for the first time. You're listening to Mentoring in the Music, I'm Emily Springer.
0: You can't you can't always ask teacher the same question you can ask a mentor and that's the issue <laughs> you know um like sometimes the, the relationship with the mentor is a bit more personal i believe it doesn't mean that your teacher doesn't have your best interest at heart it just means that you don't necessarily have that relationship that we're we're talking about right that's the i think it's also
1: like back to the i know i keep bringing up conservatory but if you're in an ensemble like let's say you're playing in and the uh, big band or something you're one of how many people right like your teacher is trying to direct they're a teacher because it's college but they're trying to direct all of y'all and it's if you have that one-on-one rapport with somebody they can kind of say well i know you and i know this and i know what you're interested in to to give better advice and guidance
0: but i think i think you're right in terms of like You have to know who you're seeking out and why you're seeking them out. Like, don't, you know, don't ask the wrong question to the wrong person, you know, like if you need advice about this certain thing, go to this person. Right. And then I guess you have to try to develop that relationship. And that's why I think it's important to try to garner a few mentors so you can kind of ask them different things. And because everyone's going to have a different opinion and then everyone's going to have different
1: uh, experiences on something, so. I'm thinking about your latest release, which had some really special guests. Like you're, it was very exciting. I mean, you've mentioned Christian McBride as one of your mentors and he was on a track and Joe Farnsworth also was on it. And Kenny Washington, of course, it's such um, an interesting, you know, just based on our conversation about mentorship. Like, it's so interesting to have your, your trio of young musicians, 20 somethings that went to school with you and then these three incredible mentor-like figures yeah. working with you. Like, what was that like?
0: I should have mentioned, I mean, I should have mentioned them. I mean, Kay Wash, you know, Kenny Washington, he, uh, man, like I remember just, I met him at, at school, but when you were in a class with him, it didn't necessarily feel like that. Like <laughs> it was just. He was just very honest about what his experience was, how he perceives the music and what he believes it should be, you know? And I always loved that. Honestly, you know, he has the experience to talk about <laughs> all, all of it. You know, I mean, play with everybody under the sun. So I always appreciated uh, his input and 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 of course his playing. That's that's obvious. You know, it was a blessing to have him. A funny thing about Joe Farnsworth is he's now each we talked about like you you have different mentors for different things. Like Farns has been such a mentor. <laughs> in the way that like he just called us me and me and philip and me you know different people like for gigs you know and that was and then he would call us again and call us again and then he would tell us to learn tunes like hey learn this one for for this week and learn this one and like peep out how cedar walton he played the melody here on this recording and how he changed it on this one and how he comped in this one and and check out how McCoy did this, right? And now he's also speaking from not just the recordings, but he's like, I played with them. I know what it sounded like. Right. <laughs> you know, so that was a different sort of mentorship. I mean, when he called us, I remember it was hilarious. We were on the, it was the first gig, and I'm pretty sure I'm not remembering this incorrectly, because it was a hilarious moment. He said, like, I haven't heard them play. They're here because someone recommended them. And so we're going to see how it goes. And I love the honesty about it. It's like, yeah, that's, that's what happened. <laughs> like that is literally what happened, you know? And thankfully he liked us and, and we continue to play some more, but, and he's someone who's so generous with his knowledge. And when I asked him if he wanted to to be on a recording, he said, yeah, of course, you know? Yeah. It was such, it was such a beautiful experience having McBride and, and Professor Washington and Farns there. I mean, they, uh, they were so generous with their time and and playing with us. And I, I also wanted to make sure that I mixed them up. Like I didn't have them play on something together. You know what I mean? I wanted right. to have all of us play with each other. So
1: your first album, you played the music of Buddy Montgomery, that choice to say, I'm playing the music of someone that you might not even be familiar, with. like not you right, as right. an individual, but like as a listener I might be like, wait, what? Yeah. Right. Where does that come from? And of course, Willie Jones the third was on that which is another huge probably mentor right. relationship yeah. that you had in the studio you're just getting mentor after mentor um, but you know talk a little bit about that and and your choice to because that's like a generational thing you're keeping that aspect of his music you're bringing it back for people to hear and i think that's very similar to to a mentor relationship and tradition
0: right man yeah doing that doing that record was uh that recording was so interesting because um the way it came about was just I knew someone that loved that music and loved Buddy Montgomery knew him and was like hey would you want to record this and Willie Jones wants to play on it I was like yeah (laughs) you know but at that point I'm I've still been dedicated to playing the music written by people of color, like, so the next, like, like the next recording was called Composed in Color. You know, I, I think that's such an important aspect of the music. I think we need to play more music by the jazz musicians. You know, someone like a buddy Montgomery, I mean, he was amazing. Vibraphonist, pianist, composer, you know. And I think we have to have respect for, for the music in that way. What about the people that aren't always talked about? But were sophisticated in uh, in their own ways, and 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 really benefited the music to the point where we could we could learn about it um, later on and 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 benefit from what they did. And so, you know, it came about kind of in a in a random way. But I'm so thankful that it did that way. I remember someone said like, "Look, you'll have plenty of years to play your own music. Hopefully, you'll have many years to play." whatever it is you want to write and whatever arrangements you want to do. But I did know that at one point I did want to make a tribute recording to somebody. And it just happened to be him. And I think he was, he was a great choice. So I was glad to be able to do that.
1: As we approach the end of our conversation, I wanted to play one of my favorite tracks from Isaiah's first album. This is 1000 Rainbows. saying about honoring the jazz composers the people who did intentionally wrote in in a language in an idiom that right wouldn't exist if they didn't choose to write it you know what I mean like a uh, Cole Porter music was never going to go away um, right. and it's it's always there but that wasn't his intention right to write. that wasn't his intention I think the intentionality is really important because jazz comes from the blues. It comes from a a black cultural concept that often people want to just say it's, it's American. And it's like, it's a, it's a black American thing. It's very much a hybrid of things that wouldn't have happened if the black experience wasn't the way it was. And I think that's really, really great what you're saying about honoring those composers, because of course you can you should you know American songbook songs and you learn them mm-hmm. and you know all all that you need to know but if you want to continue the traditional legacy of the music you you also have to know the people who were creating it and taking American songbook songs but also writing their own stuff.
0: Yeah. I have I have a different connection with the music of Thelonious Monk, Cedar Walton, someone like a Buddy Montgomery. Someone like uh, Bobby Timmons, McCoy Tyner, not just you know they they played my instrument. You know, I always like to say I feel like they wrote it for me, and not for me, but like for a person like me to play. Like the way that I heard their music, I was like, okay, I understand that. Like it doesn't, this is not all encompassing, but it doesn't require further review. You know, like I when they played something, I said I understand what that means. Obviously, you can do you know some research, but. The way that they played, I I felt like I really understood what it is that they meant when they played it. And so that's why I think it's so important to play the music of Freddie Hubbard, you know, play, play the music of Duke Ellington, play the music of Mary Lou Williams, play these people's music. You know, they, they, they have an understanding that's so specific. And I think it needs to be so essential. Um, We don't, I don't think as a community, like in the jazz community, that we play enough music written by the jazz musicians which is so crazy to me
1: i'm really excited for you in your career and also just after hearing everything you've had to say like the type of mentor you will be because i think we're reckoning with certain things that not disrupt but change the way that mentor relationships have been historically um Mm. and we're we're questioning why and we're eager to to include those things again because i think there's such a in a, in a social media based world and in post, not post COVID, but in a world with, you know, isolation because of sickness, like it's really difficult to build community. I was listening to an interview that you gave. And one thing that you said was, you know, to be a jazz musician, to, to love this doesn't mean you need to know everybody. It doesn't mean you need to know everybody on the scene and know everything like that. You just work on your community and be present and, Know, know the people around you. And obviously, you know, that's really important because you can't just show up to a session and be like, why doesn't anyone know who I am? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, this isn't Instagram. Like, you got to get off it at a point. But, you know, I think that's, for young people like us, really important to hear mm. why I think that. And maybe you'll feel similarly or not. Like, social media makes the world a lot smaller. Um, and it makes you feel like, oh, this person has a lot of followers but they're from Florida like why don't i like we don't have any mutuals like maybe they're not that good and it's just like this crazy way that severs the community because it's like you don't want to give anybody a chance sometimes and i i really wonder if like you've seen that with, within cuz you're slightly older than me so i don't know if you're seeing that within people who are really working professionally versus being in school still <laughs> i'll tell you something funny i <laughs>
0: This is a phenomenal day. This is a phenomenal day. We were playing, and I'll exclude names. <laughs> it was, we, I had two gigs because I, I learned so much in this day. I learned so much in this day. Um, I've had two gigs on this one day and they were like one right after each other. One was from like two to three and one, the next one was from four to six or something like that. So it was in this church, it was in this beautiful church bunch of people were coming to see it, you know, there's photographers, there was food backstage, it was the whole thing, you know, so we went, we played, and, you know, everyone was clapping, it was the whole thing, it was the whole production, really, you know, we felt good, and we had a great time, and immediately from there, we took, uh, we took a car from there to the next gig, you know, which is, like, just, like, maybe a, a few blocks down, and a little bit over, completely different situation, so, like, when we get there, you know, we get patted down at the door. <laughs> we got patted down at the door. We go in. The piano had some stuff in it. Like I was just like, "What is that?" Like I've seen a few pianos at this point. Some things I had never seen. You know, I I asked I asked for a uh, for a piano bench because I didn't see the piano bench. And originally, person working, they laughed, and I was like, "No, I'm serious." And they're like, "Oh, let me go find it." So they went found the bench, and we're playing at this gig. You know, now very different situation, right? We're playing at this gig. And there was this guy who was kind of coming around and he, I think he played, he played bongos, which is very unusual, right? He played bongos and someone who worked there, they were like, yeah, you know, he comes around, but like you, you don't have to pay him any attention. And I'm like, okay. So he's kind of coming around like, Hey, can I play the tune? And I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, maybe we'll have to see. I have no idea what this is. I'm in this dark room for playing. and." he hung for like a long time and I kind of stopped for a moment and in the circumstances, the wild circumstances that we we're already undergoing, you know, I, I have to say, you know what, there's, I feel like there's something special about like the fact that this man showed up with bongos to come, like we should let him play. And he, and I said, yeah, come play. So we played this, we played something together and he was absolutely incredible. It was incredible, like some of the most amazing playing I've ever heard in my life. And I was so glad that I did that. (laughs) And and I took the, and I remember getting home that day and just thinking about the the difference, (laughs) like just the difference of where I was the first gig and the second gig and how I experienced incredible music in both settings and how different they were and how I saw how the music could be perceived you know at one gig we walked in and there's people taking photos of us the next gig were being patted down yet like I had incredible experiences in both places and I learned something from both and I also saw like I said how the music can be perceived like in, in what spaces this music can be played in and maybe what people think about the music you know it was really
1: interesting um you know like I think people feel comfortable with what they know and they mm. don't always want to go out and learn more and i think that's where the mentor thing comes into because they'll make you do things and push you to do things that you would never do before
0: i i wanted to also say this something that I, I i was like i don't know if i want to call it an experiment necessarily but something that i was glad that i got to point out over the past you know two years of or three years now whatever it's been of covid um one thing I've noticed over time, um, and I tried to explain to people is that, you know, jazz, of course, is not appreciated in, in the normal mainstream culture, right? Now, what's even worse about it, what I've noticed is, I don't know if you've seen this, but it's actually it actually comes up a fair amount, more than people think. And it comes up in commercials and on TV. And whenever it's, whenever it's talked about, it's actually in like a joking manner, Or it's, yeah, or it's in a way that's mocking the music, you know, and and sometimes they are funny situations, like I'm watching a show and it's funny. The problem with that is that I think it it seeps into our consciousness and that's actually what people believe it to be, you know. And so I remember pointing it out to, to my parents, I said, you know, for the next few days, just look at all the commercials that mention jazz in it and you'll see. And I remember after a few days, they're like, oh, my God, you're exactly right. Like I've been watching for a few days now and it's come up a fair amount and it's always in a joking manner. And so people don't take, and I think, you know, someone who's never heard jazz, which I think most people of our generation probably have never even heard what I would consider real jazz. They they don't think that it's worth listening to. or They don't think it's worth, they don't think they think it's a joke because that's what mainstream media has told them. And so someone like a mentor who can show you what it actually is is so so important, you know, someone a little bit older that can be like, no, that's not real.
1: And that even goes outside of like being a musician and having a mentor. Like you right. can think like I think about my father's uncle. I have a lot of records. Half of these records are his records. Beautiful. Um and they're original presses of, Oof. you know, a lot of these classic albums that it was like you you had to have at the time. Mm. And he lived in Harlem and like this is part of his his community and what he did. And he passed away when I was very young, like maybe six years old. Mm -hmm. And as a teenager, young adult, I came back to these records. And so he's not a living mentor, but he was checking out some good stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) he he's the reason that I have these, of course. And I think within families, it's so important to teach your children about music and to, and to have something to pass on in terms of how to respect music. Um, and I think people easily disrespect jazz because it is a Black thing. It's true.
0: I think the most dangerous part about the situation that we're in concerning jazz is that um, I don't think the world wants Black people to know that it's their own music. And young, young Black people, they don't know what it is. And, and that's not a new concept. (laughs) You see all the things that's happening with trying to erase our history from textbooks, from, from conversation. That's not a new concept. Anything that is empowering or anything that shows intelligence uh, that's specific to this community is not something that they want to be known. So something like a jet, I think the most dangerous thing about it is uh, young young people of color, young black kids, like they don't know that there were people in their communities that were uh, super successful and super intelligent, like in what they were doing. And, 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 and some of those people, they expressed themselves through playing jazz. Right. I think that's probably one of the more critical parts.
1: Thank you, Isaiah, so much for talking to me about your experience Um, with your mentors and what you hope to pass on. It was great talking to you. I really hope we can do this again soon. So thanks so much for uh, joining me.
0: Of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Mentoring in the Music is a WBGO Studios production. This show is written, produced, and mixed by me, Emily Springer. Music featured in today's episode will be listed in our show notes. Special thanks to everybody at WBGO and Jazz House Kids. Until next time.